Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com VoiceAmerica.com welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now here's the host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Yes, we're here. Good morning, everybody. And I have a friend of mine on the show today. Welcome, Larry Mazio. Hey, Cindy. What kind of phone are you on? You're like, are you on a speakerphone? Well, I'm not anymore, but I was because I was waiting for the commercials to play out, so you came on the air. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a pro. Larry Mazio, I have to tell you that the marketing director for Voice Voice America Internet Radio found the cutest picture of you in the world. Really? Oh, it's so cute. It's, what, which one is it, you know? It's you as little Richie sitting on Dick Van Dyke's lap. Oh, I have that picture. So I'm sure. It's, it's, and we're dressed in, like, old-fashioned clothes. But look how cute. It's not right. He's dressed like it's called from the, from the bad old days, I think, is the name of the show we did that. Well, it doesn't say that, but the picture is here, and um, you look like what happened to you. No, I'm only kidding. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my wife says the same thing. Hey, you guys were advertising a show for women and wine. I, I, wait, let's just talk about wine and women, my two favorite subjects. That's all I care about. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll try. How about this? You want me to get you on the show? I'll... <laughs> Absolutely. I'll no problem. I'll be, I'll be all over that one. I, well, you know, again, Larry Matthews, you might remember him anyway, Larry Matthews, who was Little Richie from the Dick Van Dyke Show. Hey, all. <laughs> hey, hey now. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so, how old were you when you were on the show? Uh, well, when we started, I was like five and a half. We started in, um, I'm born in August, so we started in, uh, April of, wait, April? Wait a second. No. Well, a lot of years went by. So yeah, no, I was, yeah, I was like five and a half years old. So we started in 66, and I turned six at the, then. Okay, so, like, how did this all happen? Did your mother take you on auditions all the time? I mean, I don't even know this part of the story. <laughs> I, I never told you a story, really? No, I, I, this I, is really new for me. I'm not I playing it for the air. I have no idea. It's, it's pretty wild, actually. Well, I mean, you know, I have a big family. So there's, there's, I, I come from, there's seven kids in my family, and I'm number six out of seven. And my mom, um, when she was um, young, both my parents were musicians, and then my dad was a really good musician, so was my grandfather. My mom used to be on the R Gang. She was one of the uh, extras on the, you know, on the Little Rascals R Gang. No, thing wait, when she was no, a kid. no. Your mom was in the Little Rascals. Yeah, she was. She was one of the extra <laughs> Rascal kids. She wasn't one of the when they bring the other kids from the club. She would run around there with them. So, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so she was. Not, I mean, she was kind of like a regular extra. Yeah, exactly. And that was. And remember now, this is before. This is on on the shorts they did for this for um, features because they weren't on TV at the time, you know, because it was she's too old. But anyway, <laughs> but, um, so uh, I would sit there, I, I would um, watch television, and I would like mimic things on TV, you know, specifically like the Chipmunks, you know, Alvin, they're like, hey Dave, and uh, <laughs> so I would be on the front too. porch, and I would always be doing this stuff. And the mailman, believe it or not, came to my mom one day and said, you know. Why don't you have your? Why don't you have Larry take like acting lessons? I know this woman who she, she gives she gives lessons to you know kids. Her name was Lois Hour. She's still alive. She's very cool. <laughs> and so um, because you were sitting there imitating TV all day like a really normal kid. Exactly. So said, hey, you can be good at this. Why not? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, listen, you were just very bored, or you know, you were missing something from your last life. Well, I don't know. I'm always I'm still missing something from my last life, but that's a whole other that's a whole other hour. <laughs> um, but. Um, so we, so then he, so he, he hooked me, he hooked us up with this woman, 
because uh, my mom said, hey, you want to do this? I said, yeah, sure, I don't care. What do I know? I'm a kid, you know, what do I care? And um, so I took lessons from her, and then she would have showcases where they would bring agents in to look at, like, we would do, you know, act scenes and stuff for them. So uh, my agent, which was uh, um, Gene Halliburton AC, which they did basically just handled mostly children. In fact, I think it was all kids. Came in, and we did this showcase, and at the end they came and said, hey, we'd like to represent Larry. And, wow. Uh, and my mom said, okay, fine. <laughs> because you gave it your best imitations. You probably, like, said, ah, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm into this, but all I'll do is my best imitations. Actually, do you know what? I'll tell you, the, the funny thing is I do remember specifically, I, do, I had we had done a scene from A Thousand Clowns, the play. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and that's what we were doing, and I had done it as a kid. And... Um, and that's what they saw when, I, when we did that. Perfect. So, Perfect. so anyway, so then not very shortly after that, they said, you know, hey, look, we have an interview for him to go on for this thing called the Dick Van Dyke Show. They're casting. It's a new pilot, blah, blah, blah. And so I went and I interviewed with Carl Reiner. And I remember because in the first episode, which was uh, an episode about Rob was supposed to go to a party for Alan Brady, but Richie was sick and Laura didn't want to go, and it was a big conflict and, you know, so Carl said, okay, I want you to lay down on the couch and tell me, you know, per, you know, your stomach really hurts. So tell me your stomach hurts. Oh, my tummy hurts. Okay, You're tell me really you want a cupcake. That. Okay, I want a cupcake. And then we went through some of the scenes with me. And later in life, because I've worked with um, a lot of the people from the Nick Van Dyke show over the years, you know, because I'm, I'm still in the entertainment business, and I worked with, like, Jay Sandrich, who was uh, the assistant director for uh, Danny Thomas at the time. They were doing Make Room for Daddy. And uh, they came down, they had me and another kid they were trying to decide on. And one of the, the, the other kid had done some acting I had not. Carl was leaning toward using me because he wanted somebody that had never done anything that they could just kind of, you know, mold into that character. And Jay Sandwich came walking in to ask Danny Thomas about something for um, one of his shows. And they had the pictures out. And he started leaving. He said, wait, wait, JJ, come here, JJ. Which one of these kids should be the, you know, Richie in the new pilot? And he just went, that one. He pointed to my picture and he went, great, thanks. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah, that was a pretty wild story. So what did you feel like at the time? Do you remember? What was what? What did you feel like at the time when that moment happened? Uh, well, I don't remember that moment. Obviously, I just know that they got the call and they said, hey, we want, they want you to do the pilot. So I shot the pilot, and I remember just having a blast in the pilot. I mean, it was like we were in Desilu Studios, and Joey Bishop was shooting there, and, you know, and Make Room for Daddy was shooting there, and um, Andy Griffith was shooting there. Oh, my God. So I remember going on the lot, and we, I was, like, kind of, like, running around a lot, at, you know, a little before six years old, going, like, wow, check these out, man. And then we did the show, and, and it was I just had a blast. I mean, I remember, I remember being in the, the teepee, because they, <laughs> they made a teepee on my bed, because I was sick, and I couldn't leave, so I had a teepee on the bed. It was funny. Oh, my God. Okay, so how long did it go? Five years. So you have five years. Is it a blur for you? No, not at all, actually. I have a lot of, I mean, not really, no. I, it's pretty vivid. I mean, you know, especially because, I mean, I, you know, come with my family and stuff, since I have such a big family and stuff, then it wasn't a blur because I'd come home and we'd talk about it. And then, you know, what happened at work? Oh, it was kind of fun today and blah, 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 You were the breadwinner and you were like seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my dad, hey, where's the check? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> More like that. But, yeah, um, the other seven kids, to... damn it. Oh, sorry. No, the question is, did they, did they do your um, call times around school or did you have to have tutors? I had to, we did have tutors. Yeah, you had to. And so I was, I actually skipped a grade. I went from first to third grade because, you know, you have a tutor. It's, it's really easy to learn quickly one on one, you know. So, um, I would start at nine o'clock with school and then they would basically either try and work the scenes out where I was, I was rehearsing and doing stuff after noon, you know, because we went from nine to twelve. 
Or if they had to, then they would just come into the class, say, hey, we need Larry. They'd go, I'd go and do whatever they wanted to do, and then they'd come back, and they'd just log the time, and then I'd just continue, you know, after that. So you know what it's like to be Dakota Fanning. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> well, in more ways than you can imagine. <laughs> Larry, you don't want to go. No, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. No, yes, I do. I have, you're my friend. I have to protect you. The only problem with no one's like with Dakota Fanning is like I just didn't make the money she makes. Damn it! God, I wish. No, she's um, and you know, publicity became so much of a glamour game today. You know, so much more so. You yeah. Know, and it's like you know, Vanity Fair's around. So you know, if you give La 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 a cover, you have to do a Rapunzel shoot with like you know Dakota. It's a whole different thing today. No, it's it's extremely different. I mean, you know, yeah, we had, I had, you know, I think the the, the biggest thing we ever did was we were on TV Guide and. The cast was on the cover one time or something or a couple times, and that was kind of it. Really, there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot out then, you know. No, there wasn't a lot of competition. I was like, oh, okay. There wasn't an internet. No. Fox TV wasn't a network yet. Yeah, Fox there was TV no wasn't cable. the Nazis yet. What'd you say? I'm saying network. <laughs> Imagine. Exactly. I mean, but there was no CNN. It's really weird. No MTV. Dude, there was there was like what? There was three networks. I mean, it was you know CBS, NBC, and ABC. We were on CBS and. A couple of local networks. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. The, your audience probably doesn't remember that far back. But well, you know what, Larry? I have a lot of older demographics in my audience. They saw my picture and they saw I worked for Playboy, and you know, hey, hey, great, right? And they're like, hey, we're going to listen to this. But, well, whatever they might be doing while they're listening to the show, I don't care. It's still listening. Exactly. Exactly. We've got an audience. I'm but yeah, I mean, it was like you know, those old days when you know there was like ten channels on television. That was it. No, I know. I mean, it was it was TV's it was TV Land. It really was TV Land. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's that's all there was, and it was still a fairly new medium. I mean, in 1960, you know, I mean, it had been going since the late 40s. But you know, God, how many people still had TVs? And you know, a lot of people didn't even have them. Uh, no, exactly right. So let me ask you a question. Okay, so the show finishes up. Yep. And you're told, okay, well, the show is finishing up. Did you get very sad? Did you, I mean, because you you have no understanding about you know scripting and living through its time and all of that kind of stuff yet. Yeah, no, it was, I was really bummed, actually. It was very, it was, it was really depressing. Well, the, uh, it's a great story. We had, we had shot the last show we shot, um, was not the last show that aired. We shot a show called, um, uh, I'm trying to think it was called The Gunslinger or, the, or anyway, it was, it was a show where Rob had to have his wisdom tooth pulled or his tooth pulled. So he went to Jerry, right? Jerry Helper. And which is played by Jerry Paris, who unfortunately is you know not with right, us anymore. Right. And he says, "I got to put you under to pull this tooth out." And Rob has this dream about being a sheriff in a western town, and Carl Reiner is the bad guy, Big Bad Brady, right? Right, right. So that was the last show we shot, and the rap party was after that. You know, our our rap party was after that show. So I, I remember like going to the party and. All of us are really sad, but I mean, I remember I was just really crying a lot because I was kind of like... Oh, little Larry. Well, I mean, you know, you said it, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, Cindy, where it's like, at that age, you don't really understand what the business is in terms of, hey, you know what, shit just happens and it goes away and comes back and that's it. And, you know, that's the business we're in. But it, as a kid, it's kind of your life. I mean, that was how I was raised in, in a lot of ways. So, you know, I was really bummed and, you know, I remember going and hugging everybody. But my mom did, did something very smart, which I still have. They had these posters made up. Um, and there was one at Big Bad Brady posters, right, with Carl Reiner's picture on it. Right, right. And she she, she took one of them because they had them, you know, for the on the set. She took one from the set. She says, "Take this pen and you want you to go around and get everybody to sign this." 
So I have that poster with everybody cast and crew signature on it, which is a one of a kind. Well, it is. It is. And, and it's don't sell it on eBay. Here, you know, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I think that was very smart of her, and um, you know, but it must have been devastating to a kid, and you know, it was you tough, see it in a lot of films. Because I had to go be with my family. Jeez, I was. <laughs> no, you mean I got to be with you idiots all the time? What's wrong with this? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I feel bad for a little. I, I feel bad for little Larry and little Richie. Oh, I know. That's why I'm I, so you know, it's very, today, very sad. It's it's intense. I mean, because grown-ups have to like deal with it now, and we all cry. <laughs> well, it's true, you know. And, and I remember. I mean, everybody was really upset. It was, it, and the show could have gone on. I mean, you know, the only reason the show ended is because Dick, Dick had, um, Dick had done movies, right? He'd done Mary Poppins. He'd done, uh, you know, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. He'd done some stuff during the. During the hiatus periods when we were off, he'd he'd gone off and done some movies. All right, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Okay. You're such a pro. Hold that thought. Okay, we'll talk about Dick Van Dyke and his movies and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and everything else about child stars in a minute because we have to take a break. You got it, baby. All right, honey. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment that's R-A-K and R-O-L-L entertainment.com or call 1-818-597-0700 Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all www.rak and rollentertainment.com Muscular Development presents No Bull Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the infamous Muscle Mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. No Bull Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan, then tune in and find out. Noble Radio, uncensored, uncompromised, unrestrained. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice, what if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back and we're with Larry Mazio, a.k.a. Maz. 
just to confuse you more. So, Larry, Actually, you were you talking know, the about... People know as Matthews because that was really the name. Yeah, well, I said a.k.a. Larry Matthews, too, but a.k.a. Oh. Maz is what I call you. That's true. That's what, that's what <laughs> I mean, we already know. <laughs> you have, you know, lots of lots of, you know... Different monikers. You have to. You are a child star. What can I say? Yes, you never know when you have to, you know, hide out from somewhere here and there. Somebody That's else right. is we trying have to, to look for you. The witness protection program. You know that. But um, okay, so you were talking about we were talking about the show ending and the sad rap party and the fact that you know Dick Van Dyke was doing a lot of movies like Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and all of this kind of stuff. Well, well, that's basically why the show ended because what happened is we weren't canceled. You know, CBS and they wanted to, they wanted us to go for another two or three years because when we when we were on, we had won more Emmys than any other show on television. You know, until until um, Cheers actually, we had won more Emmys than the other show. And so it was doing really well, and especially after all being canceled the first year, and you know, and then getting a second life. And Dick had offers to do all these to do movies, and he had a pretty good offer from Disney as a contract type deal. And he wanted to go do movies, and so that's why we stopped the show. It's just because he 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 didn't want to do it and wanted to do movies instead. But the show would have gone on for years, probably. I mean, it was it was immensely popular at the time. Well, of course, of course, it's like it, it's it's really kind of wild. But you lived a lifetime through this. You lived a lifetime through this, and you know. Then you had to go back to just being a regular kid, right? I mean, you didn't continue acting on a regular basis. Not on a regular basis. I mean, I did, you know, some plays here and there. I would do theater and stuff like that. Um, you know, pretty much all throughout college. But yeah, it was like, and it sucked going back and being a regular kid. Sucked, man. It was a drag. I know. I would <laughs> imagine. I mean, it, it. You had. You really had to make the realization. You had what they call the fall. Which many people experience during midlife. You know right. what I mean? You had it at like ten. Yeah, I guess the good news is that I, I didn't have to go through midlife crisis. I did it when I was ten. <laughs> so at fifty, you know, at fifty-one, I don't have to worry about it now. No, I'm telling you. I mean, you know, everybody has it at one time in their life. You just had it extremely early. It's <laughs> exactly. like you're having a period when you sick. It was a rude awakening. Oh my god! <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it was, it was, uh, now, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I, and, you know, and going back to school, well, it was, you know, I guess we talked about the, you know, I had the tutor and stuff, and so I skipped a grade. So, you know, when I went back into regular school, um, which was in my grade school, which was, I think, at sixth grade at the time, I was already, I was a year younger than all the people in the class. And, you know, kids are, can be just, you know, vicious. And so my last two years before I went to high school and grade school sucked, man. I hated it. No, um, I, I would imagine. So was, what did you I was, do? I was, you know, I was just, I was constantly just abused. I mean, and, you know. You well, know, in what way? It was obviously. because you weren't as old as the other kids or because people saw you on TV? I well, mean, I think it's a lot of both. I mean, you know, kids are really, you know, kids are really shitty, let's face it. I mean, <laughs> yes, kids they are. Really, and so, you know, here's like, oh, oh, here's the star. Oh, you come back for a month every year at school and, you know, well, how come you're so special? It was that kind of shit. Oh, and, and, it's like, and then they have that mixed in with the fact that I'm I'm younger than them. And, of course, you know, as you grow, age doesn't mean a lot, but when you're a kid, it's everything. Oh, it is. It is. It's very, very different. So you were always special in right. a way. Okay, so, okay, you continued with theater all, I mean, did you continue with theater, I guess, as a kid? You did plays and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I did, you know, they used to, I did, they, we, they had a theater group that was in Hollywood, and I did, uh, for about two, three years, I did four or five plays with them, and, and then, um, when I went into high school, of course, that, when I went to, I went to Notre Dame High out here, and, um, then I did, you know, we did, you know, I was in the drama department there, so we did like three or four plays there. And then in college, when I when I went to college, I was a theater arts major. So um, 
you know, I mean, but but the reality of that too is like that's fine for one thing in school, but school doesn't really prepare you for the real world. Until it really you get doesn't, out and deal does it? it? I mean, it really doesn't. It's so funny. It's like I'm a big advocate of education and all that kind of stuff, but. You know, going up the corporate ladder and meeting all these people with Harvard business degrees and stuff—they can't find the freaking bathroom, man. No, it's true. It, it's it's. It, you know, I always said what college, you know, school, high school, college—it was good. You know, what it was good for it was good to get you to socialize. I mean, that and that's and that's kind of like why I, you know, to, to digress, why I kind of have these issues with this homeschool stuff. You know, with all these people do this, it's like guys, you're not giving a kid a chance to get out and basically integrate into the world. You need to do that because when you. When you finally do have to go work and you know make a living and you know make your way, you're kind of behind the eight ball already. That's true, but on the other hand, you know, the the upside is is that you're protecting the kids from the things, you know, in schools that are not, you know, <laughs> that are not very stellar today. No, I know, and I think it's different, obviously, when you know you and I were in school than it is now, obviously. But but I don't know. I just think that you know you got to kind of like you know you got to let people. I, I agree. You know, you I mean, I th- you know, world. listen, I mean, the reason why I love the fact that I graduated from New York City public schools is because, you know, the world was integrated to me. And let me tell you, I was very surprised when I got out into the real world because I thought everybody was Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's I was really cool. I mean, when I came into the corporate world and I was, was for a company, <laughs> I mean, I was working for a company that was, um, you know, that was based in Akron, Ohio, okay, and they didn't know what a bagel and lox was, so I was kind of freaked. For, yeah, well, yeah, there's not a lot of Jews there, is there? What's lox? I'm like, what, are you, are you kidding me? That's funny, man. I mean, you know, so, uh, you know, in New York City, you, I, you know, you have no idea that the world is, um, you know, that that the world is not integrated because it's a little UN. Okay, so you have mostly little Jewish kids and Italian kids, right? Right, right. And like you have one or two, you know, um, Indian, like right. you know, Hindu Indian, right, you sure. know, and you know, and then you have like a couple of Asian kids, and you certainly have African Americans. So I think the whole world is that way. That we're all in like you know the the IGC class for intellectually gifted children, right. and that everybody just has, is, works together, and there's no problems. And then all of a sudden you get to Akron, Ohio, and they go like, "Hey, I don't see your horns. Can, where are your horns anyway?" Ah, I mean. <laughs> Hello. Are you there? Oh, you know what? My poor, my poor engineers just had to install a new phone system. Oh. And they're really freaking out about it because it's supposed to be so sophisticated where it could where it could handle like you know 150 lines simultaneously. Right. And they're using it for the first time this week, and like they they can't handle it. Well, we cut out for a second. What I said to you, what I, I don't know if you heard me, I said. And all of a sudden, here you go to Akron, Ohio, to a company in Akron, Ohio, and they look at you and go like, hey, turn around, I can't see your horns. Yeah, no, no, we heard you, Larry. You didn't have to repeat that. <laughs> I mean, you know, I found out that I was a minority, I, and I found out about anti-Semitism, and I found out about all kinds of things, and you know what? For a New York City kid, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You know, and, and, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, here I am in Hollywood at five years old, working, you know, till five to ten years old, and... I saw everything and anything that could possibly come at you. I mean, you know, I had gay guys hitting on me as a child. I had, you know, um, uh, you know, every possible spectrum of every, you know, person there. And so, you know, you're right. And and, uh, and then, of course, but I, but I, you know, I never had to go to the Midwest to work. So I'm, I guess, I'm all right. 
No, and don't you ever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Unless we open up a property in Louisville, to. Kentucky, like we were talking about. But that's another show and another story. Exactly. <laughs> because I, I told David about that last night, and oh my God, he was cracking up. Oh, really? <laughs> he think, he's in. He's in as legal uh, counsel. He thinks it's a terrific idea, but that for another show, right? Yes, indeed, absolutely. I, you know, I tell you, I got, you know, it's, it is a good show. Anyway, you're right, that is another show. Okay, well, listen, um, I just also wanted to tell you that the child stars that I've worked with before I've even known you, you know, had pretty tragic stories. I mean, you know, I met a lot of them through Playboy, obviously. And, right. You know, one of the saddest, you know, one of the saddest people and saddest experiences I've had is getting friend, getting to be friendly with Dana Plato right. and then watching her deteriorate. And, right. you know, obviously it's very, very connected to being in the spotlight every day and then not being in the spotlight all of a sudden. Right. Especially, well, and especially for somebody like her who, you know, I, I think, again, that was at a time was different time than I was even. So I think she was even older than I was, I think, when yeah, I was she, doing the show. Yeah. Well... Uh, she might even no. She's younger than you. Was she? Yeah. She was younger than five when she started. Really? Yeah. She's. I mean, well, I, you know, she was about fifteen years younger than me when I was working with her, and you know, I was working with her probably about twelve years ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then she passed away. Right. No, I know that was really sad. And well, and, and look, I mean, hey, you know, I'm mean, I know. You know, I mean, obviously, I know a lot of ex child stars too, because you know, I know these. We do these autograph shows sometimes and, you know, things like that. So I, I, you know, I know quite a few of the people and, you know, I mean, it's like the guys from Family Affair. I mean, uh, who, you know, it was, uh, what's her name, uh, the girl and, and Johnny Whitaker is a buddy of mine and, you know, it's, it just, it still kills him that, you know, she, she just, you know, OD'd and killed herself. It's just, it's, it sucks. I mean, you know, here's a, here's a problem, Cindy, and I, and I gotta say this is, the problem is this, you get a lot of these kids and I'm sure you found it, Yes, there's there's some of the you know you're in the spotlight, you're in and out of the spotlight, but then you have the the influence of the parents and the adults who are pumping you full of shit because you know it's in their interest. They're trying to live you know in a lot of ways they try and live their life through the kid, so they're they're pushing, pushing, pumping you full of all this stuff, and 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 and, and you come out because the parents are going like, oh, you're the most special thing in the world. I mean, there's nobody better than you, and then all of a sudden in reality hits you, and it's like, well, no, I'm not the most special thing in the world. I'm just another person. And it's really hard, and I and I think that a lot of it is because you know when parents, it's it's so hugely influential on how when you're a kid and the child star and being in a show how you're raised and how you're you're brought through it by the adults, and that makes all the difference. Well, I mean, my, what, I mean, you know, my parents were great. They were you know they were they were perfect, and they, they kept a perspective, and they kept you know, hey, look, this is your job, and your family's here, and you know, they really just kept it all vary in a perspective, and, and that's what you need to do, and that's unfortunately what a lot of p- parents don't do. No, I, well, you're right. You had your, you know, you had your siblings, and, um, you know, you had a nice Italiano family, and, yeah. you know. <laughs> a- absolutely, it's, and it makes a big difference. No, it really does, and you're right. You didn't have, like, a stage mom, you know, putting right. all of this bullshit into your head all the time. You know, so, you know, I, you're right. You're absolutely right. I uh, think that that's probably what kept you together. I mean, you know, another one, Mariel Hemingway. I mean, mm. you know, so sad. It happened so fast, too. And it's like the kind of thing where I'll see them, you know, two weeks before it happens, and then all of a sudden you read it in the paper or hear it on the news, and you're like, what? You're like, wow, oh, my God. Yeah, you're like, I mean, it's it's stunning to you. It, it's like, and you feel really bad because you know that there's a lot of psychological dynamics. And, you know, and you see how sad these people are. You know, it's like, what press am I doing? What press am I doing? What press am I doing? Because they don't feel like they're alive. 
it's like the press is their heroin. Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, and then they have to use, in a lot of cases, they have to use to feel like they're getting the press. Exactly. And they want yeah. mommy's ego. They want the ego that they had as a kid, and um, they can't get it any other way because they know they're realizing that there has been. Yeah, and and that's, again, and that's it goes back to the point of, like, you know, because you're shoved, like you said, stage mom, or you're put up there so, you know, so much, and, 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 you know, I mean, hey, look, it's, 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 it's a wild experience when, I mean, and you've experienced this in a lot of ways. Cause oh, even, yeah, even... but we'll talk about that in the next segment because okay. we have to take a break. Take a break. All right, we'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk more. You, this is great. We should do a radio show together, I think, on a regular basis. I'd love to. Look at us. You got it. Okay, next segment. Stay tuned. Unlimited talk at your fingertips, voiceamerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment, that's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L, entertainment.com, or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. The ability to wield power, shape the environment and the outcome, and the desire to make things happen are essential characteristics of all great leaders. Explore the essence of leadership from an insider's point of view on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio, international coach, consultant, and advisor to leaders for over 20 years. Get the unvarnished, inside story on how leaders in the spotlight take the critical decisions that deliver exceptional, real-world results and why they sometimes spectacularly and publicly fail as well. Tune into Leadership Intuition for a behind-the-scenes look at what gets great leaders up in the morning and what keeps them up at night. Go beyond the conventional advice about what great leaders are and what they do and learn how to create your own personal legacy as a leader. Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio broadcasts each Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, power, achievement, relationships. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Now back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. 
We're back, and we can't stuff enough information into these four segments because with Larry, Larry Matthews, Larry Mazio. We can't stop talking. Hey. Can you hear me again? Okay, good. You know, so the funny thing is, is that you still ended up in entertainment, but behind the scenes. Yeah, I think it's because I had no other skills, so I had to do something I could deal with. <laughs> well, you could have taught acting. Well, you I could have. You know, I, I it was when I when I got out of college and 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 actually not even before when I was in college, I said, you know, I think I'll go try and you know get some acting jobs and do that again. And and you know, it's funny we were talking about the come down, right? Well, in a way. That was another kind of come down which you experienced because here I am thinking to myself, oh, you know, and I was on a pit television show and I'm sure they'll want me, man. I just got to go there and just put my face on. Everybody want to hire me, right? Wrong. And no, it's it, a bummer because you really you learned it. It's not like you dreamed it. You learned it and earned it. So you're like, you know, how depressing. Well, the it world was. Doesn't it want was to embrace fact. it. You want to really scream out, and this is kind of a joke that I use on myself a lot when I'm not really serious about it. I make fun of myself. It's like, don't you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. But I, but I, honest to God, and that's like what we you know goes back to what we were talking about, where these you have such these tragic episodes for these you know kids or stars that, that are all of a sudden are, are nothing anymore. And so it's like, here I go out, and I make some headshots up, and I go, oh, I'll just go out. And next thing I know, here I am on a cattle call with 60 people, and I hear your scraps say yes, goodbye. And I'm like, wait a minute, do you know who the F I am? What's wrong with you people? Right, right. You know, people, like, and then you have a director that's saying to you, um, have you, do you have any TV experience, even though, like, your comp card is right in front of them? Yeah, hello. <laughs> and, they, and it was just, and so, and so that in itself was what stopped me from trying to go, you know, do more acting. That's when I went to the behind-the-scenes side because it was so depressing and so upsetting. I went like, well, this sucks. I'm never going to get anything here. And that's when I went, you know, and, and started working for Danny Thomas again and went back into the, you know, to the behind-the-scenes into production and post-production, which I'm, you know, I'm still in now. But, um, yeah, it was it was a rude awakening. <laughs> no, like, oh, I, you know, and it hits me like, in the head, man, because you're growing up and... <laughs> You know, it's like, oh wow, that was my last life. I better reinvent myself. Well, it's true, and you had, you did, and that's that's you know, I was again, I was lucky enough that, fortunately, like I said, you know, I worked with Danny Thomas and and Ronnie Jacobs, and they were good enough people because the one thing that I, I loved and is really from the Dick Van Dyke show has been probably just the most uh, wonderful part of it. Is that the people that I worked with and were there are are were and are to this day some of just the most genuine, loving people I've ever known and worked with. I mean, Carl Reiner and and they're brilliant and they're smart and and you know and they were always willing to help. You know what I mean? So if if you would just go to them and ask, they would go like, well, "What can I do for you?" No, I would. You know, they were old school too. You know, I, the old school Hollywood is very different from new school Hollywood. Uh, like you, it's it's not even close. It's so different, you, Cindy. You know, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's just nowadays, it's it's just not those little bastards and corporations and and you know who think that they know everything and they're you know and it's just it's it's really depressing. And like I said, you get a person like Sheldon Leonard, Carl Reiner, Dick, and marrying these people who, are, like you said, were old school, and you go to them and say, hey, you know, can you help me? Go, like, sure. What do you want? No problem. No, I mean, there was really, there used to be this kind of, you know, loyalty. There really was, and that kind of, you know, it really went out the window. I, and I knew it would because, you know, I was in the TV business when it started to go out the window. As yeah. soon as Cap Cities bought ABC, I'm like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, and that was, that was one of the first starts of it. Well, the other thing I always say is that, you know, people made television and movies back, you know, when I was doing a show, 
not because they did it to get rich or be millionaires or all that stuff. They did it because that's what they loved. They did it because it was a passion, because that was what it, and if they got money from it, well, that was a bonus, but that wasn't their motivation. No, because there wasn't, first of all, on the most part, it didn't pay that much money. Exactly. So, so that, exactly right. So that just wasn't the motivation. No, so, you did it because you liked it. You did it because you liked the people. Right. You know, you did it because you really loved your job. Right. And, and um, you know, nowadays, you know, you have William Morris, you know, you have William Morris Company, you know, putting Pepsi deals together with, you know, the new celebrity face du jour and uh, Internet deals and back-end deals and, you know, <laughs> God knows what else and you're ours for life and if we want to dump you, we will. You know, it's just, it's a corporatization of, you know, a working a working actor, and, and and it's like, and it's you know, it, it is. It's like it's like you're just a piece of meat, and that's kind of what, and that's unfortunately what corporate America is in every business at this point, not just entertainment. Um, but you look even at the, you know, the, look at the, even the big companies where you know you have these people that are sitting in middle management and they're there for 25 years, and next thing you know, it's like, yeah, you know, we don't need you anymore. See you, bye. Well, especially, you know, what happens a lot, too, is when a person gets older, unfortunately, it's like, you know, why don't you take the buyout? Why don't you take the buyout? Like, right. hello, is this age discrimination? Yeah, it's, of course it is, but they don't give a shit. You know, it's like, it's un, you know, it's very, very sad. And, I, you know, it's, you know, I just wish that there can be a little bit more, um, you know, a, a little bit more of what there was in the, in the good old days. I really, because I got to experience it. You know I work for WORTV. Absolutely. Um, you know, Joe Franklin was an institution. I don't even know if he's still alive. <laughs> I don't either. I, God, I haven't even heard his name for years and years. But, but yeah. um, you know, listen, he hired all kinds of, you know, challenged people to work for him. And I'm not saying that as a joke. You know, people right. who had, you know, some kind of, you know, speaking challenge or hearing challenge or physical challenge. And that was his thing. And all these people would answer his phones and they would do it because Joe Franklin gave them a show business family. Right. And it was a family, and like you said, it was old school, and it just was, yeah. So, I mean, even today what I do, and I mean, I work in post-production. I, I run sales for a post-production facility, and, and you know, we do a lot of stuff. We do a lot of work for, you know, television, motion picture. I mean, we do a pretty good gamut of, of, of stuff in terms of the type of entertainment that comes through. There's even Internet stuff, you know, because nowadays, every, you know, there's so many avenues of, of stuff to do. And and um, and even in that, you know, the, the people we deal with, it's like good example. You know, <clears throat> here's a company. Here's a, 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 a company like Discovery, or you know, which has a lot of networks, right? TLC and all this stuff, right? And they go, well, we want to do a show. Okay, great. So they come to you and said, well, give me a bid for the post production. So you give them a bid, and they go, oh, I can't afford this. And I go, well, wait, this is it's not expensive. What are you talking about? And they just. They're, and you know they're sitting there making money, but they don't give a shit. They're just going to grind and grind and grind and grind you down because they figure that's what they're supposed to do. No, exactly right. So well, now we've made everybody depressed about show business, and surely if anybody was thinking of going on auditions, <laughs> they won't. So why don't we talk about wine? Okay, good. <laughs> yes, we like wine. That's good. But, no, you know, here's the thing, and I just wanted to, to kind of close that. You know, it's what you make it. I mean, look, I still go to my job and enjoy it because it's what I make it, and I like the people I work with. You know what I mean? And and there's still that in there because the people are what you you have to deal with now. So you know it, there's still some good in it, but just the, the companies are just it's just a different scenario. That's all. You just either deal with it or you don't. What can I tell you? No, I know. Again, but let's talk about wine because you started collecting it. I did. Oh God, yeah. I started collecting uh, probably 25 years ago. 
I mean, and you have, I, I can't believe that monstrosity that you have in your house. You Don't have you love it? I'm looking at it right now. It looks really good. I mean, you know, it's almost, <laughs> listen, everybody has sort of a god. This is your god. This is. I worship it every when I come home at night. I look and I go, okay. The problem is, you know, this is, Cindy's talking about, I have a huge um, cabinet, which is, it's big. It's really big. And it holds about 700 bottles of wine, and it's pretty full right now. The problem is I come home at night, and I'll, I'll sit there, and there's so much in there, I can't make up my mind for 30 minutes what I want to drink. <laughs> so, so I sit there and like, oh, let me drink this. Oh, no, no, I'll save that for another time. Oh, it's your this. new I'll friend, Larry. Anyway. But it's, it's fun. Your, it's and who's your... just better than calling people about shows? <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, it's so funny. It's like if you're lonely or depressed, you could sit and talk to this thing. You know what it reminds me of? The monolith from 2001. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you're right. You can look at it and worship it and talk to it. Uh, uh, yeah. It's like, you know what? Maybe I should, I should put that music in me. I think I'll, let me open it up right now and take a look inside. <laughs> you should. If you open it up, it's like space odyssey music comes on. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good, I mean, it's like huge. It's like, you know, what is it? Like eight feet or nine feet tall? It's, uh, yeah, it's about, it's seven and a half feet tall and it's about four, three and a half feet wide and it's two, about two and a half feet deep, so. Everybody, if anybody hears that Larry Mazio, his, his non-stage name, Larry Mazio has disappeared, you know that you could find him. <laughs> Well, I mean, my, my, my wine locker, that's for sure. Uh, it's how. It's going to suck you in. It's, it already has <laughs> a couple times. Uh, it's funny. I was sitting there one day, and I'm, I'm sitting there looking at something, and the dog comes up, and she's, like, you know, trying to sniff and sniff and get her nose in there. And so I said, go ahead. And I started to close the doors on her, and she's like, no, nah! I started freaking out. Well, no, she's, she's getting into it. I don't know how she's going to fit in it because she's not a tiny little dog. I know, she's not. And she loves wine, by the way, so it's good. <laughs> Well, she wants it. Maybe you should just have her pick for you, and then you don't have to get into that wine, you know, into wine meditation. Actually, that's a great idea, and it's probably easier. No, absolutely, because then you don't have to think about whether you want the dry or the very, very dry or the old Italian or break out that, you know, bottle now worth $2,000. Exactly. Which There's a couple in here for that, that's for sure. Hey, Kella, come here. Pick a bottle of wine for me. Come here. <laughs> I want you to do something. Okay, good girl. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Make sure it's a red so that you could put it out on the table and let it kind of um, stand up for a while. For the day, and then by tonight when I get back, it'll be perfect. See what you taught me? I never knew that you could self-distill until I met you. You really? know, I didn't know that you put, like, frickin', you know, <laughs> cloth napkins over the top of the wine and then pour it in. You, 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 really? I seriously never saw because... Well, that comes out of necessity most of the times. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? I, no, I didn't know that. I thought you were doing something to make the wine more porous. Well, you, anytime. Here's the thing. I mean, this is, and we'll have this discussion on the wine and women's show. But, um, <laughs> but yes, anytime when you when you have wine, more air surface. The, the more air surface to the wine, the more the wine brings the characters and the fruits and everything out of it. That's that's what you do. So when you pour through that, yes, it. it it, it aerates the wine, which makes it better. But the way that way it first came about when I first had to do that, just so you know, because this is like years and years ago, I'd opened the bottle and uh, the neck had, had like snapped or shattered, and some of the glass I thought had gone into the wine. I'm like, oh shit, how am I going to drink this? Uh, well, you don't want glass, but I have to. Every time you're at a climax of a story, I have to take a break. Did you uh, know that? I'll do it next time. I'll wait. I'll, I'll remember this one until next segment. Okay. You got it. Okay.
Streaming the world over. VoiceAmerica.com Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment. That's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L entertainment.com. Or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions. We do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. West Coast Business Review and host Andy Campbell presents Show Me the Business. Each week, you'll hear exciting guests give you vital information on advancing your business and career. Learn how others have built their empires, from best-selling authors to renowned entertainers. Listen every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific time on VoiceAmericaRadio.com. Visit our website at www.WestCoastBusinessReview.com. West Coast Business Review's Show Me the Business, connecting you to the business world. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now let's get back to more stars of PR. Here's your host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Okay, Larry, you want to hear what I did for you over the commercial break? Do you want to hear what? <laughs> what I did for you over the commercial break? Sure, what? <laughs> you know, this is Cindy. Let's get it done. Um, my engineer, and you know how important it is to, you know, pay homage to the people who take care of you. Uh, absolutely. And, um, you know, Ruben Colombe is, oh, he's like the best. He's just the best. So we email each other. That's how I know the timing and all that kind of stuff. Do you think I'm going to sit here with a stopwatch? I don't think so. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh. you, know, I, you know, I let him know that you were, you know, I said, oh, we got to get Larry on Woman and Wine. And he just emailed back to me that they kind of, you know, pre, they do their show on their own and then send it in rather than doing it live on the air. Oh, okay. So, you know, he's turning me on to another wine show that they have and asked us to look at libations.com, so you should look at it too. Is that what it is? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Like, wait, he's, he's emailing me. I probably messed it up. Wait, Perfect. let me see. Oh, goodlibations.net. Goodlibations.net. Okay, I want to write that down. That's for sure. Okay. Hey, yeah, goodlibations.net. And, um, you know, Ruben's going to put in a good word for you because they have all kinds of prominent wine experts on the show all the time. And I'm like, well, you know, but Larry's a child star and he's a prominent wine expert. That's right, damn it. And I want to know. I want to challenge these prominent wine experts on whether or not they actually have this monolith in their house. Hey, Cindy, it's like, it's like we said earlier. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, like Ruben, don't you know who Larry is? Exactly. So then, so then Ruben tells me that they drink in the studio live on the show. So you and I, what we have to do oh, is we have to work this out to go to Phoenix together. No problem. <laughs> we go to Phoenix together. I got to give, I, I voted, I gave Ruben um, a Premier Award, which is a PR award for excellence in PR for people that don't practice PR. Right. 
So I got to go there anyway, so I can take a picture with Ruben and get it out to the Phoenix Press. So maybe that's when we could put you on Good Liba- the Good Libations show. So we'll make it like you know an entourage trip. Perfect, baby, I love it. How about this? An entourage trip for husbands. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Even better. And that's a good title. By the way. <laughs> hey, I just said I got to tell you something while you're on break. Um, my cell phone rings and uh, Ray Ray calls up. Schwartzy calls up. And says, he's listening, right? And he says Joe Franklin is still alive because he met him about six months ago at a Yankee game. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Ray calls like up and told him, no, tell Cindy, Joe's still alive. And I met him about six months ago. Oh, my God. Well, Joe Franklin did something really cool. I mean, this was really cool to me. I mean, again, you know, the Joe Franklin show became a joke. I think they even spoofed it on Saturday Night Live. They did, Because, yes. you know, he was just like, you know, he was so off the hook, you know, very, very early. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, one of his challenge producers books the Jay Giles band, okay? <laughs> is, that, is that when he kind of took off? No, it's when he became cool. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, I don't, I mean, it was the first time that I was at the station and Joe Franklin's people actually booked somebody really cool. So it was the first time that I met Billboard magazine and Rolling Stone magazine. And, like, listen to this. They took the paint cans. Remember from the video they had paint full all over the floor? Sure, on, on the, which on the Jay Giles one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you know, Angel in a Centerfold? Yep, yep. <laughs> what a premonition for me. But anyway. Hey, hey um, you know what? That, maybe that's what happened. Is that what happened? Okay. I, I think it might have because it was a very good day for me. I'm in the studio and it's live and I have like all kinds of press that I never thought I'd ever meet. You know, I was like dealing with the new, George Maxian from New York Daily News every day and Kay Gardella. I mean, oh my <laughs> you know, God. what do I know from, you know, <laughs> Rolling Stone and all of this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So um, <laughs> they spilled the paint all over the studio because what they did is they put the paint cans up on the, you know, up where the lights were, and I think Bob Diamond, the director, had no idea that they were really going to spill the paint. <laughs> he must have flipped. It wasn't a funny moment. <laughs> oh, he must have flipped out. I oh my god. <laughs> I can only imagine that would have been wild. You know what? I think he retired that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before he got he a heart attack started. and retired. I mean, but you know that because you're an inside, you know, you're an inside TV guy. You know. Uh, oh my God, that's hysterical. I know. So um, that's so funny. Hello, Ray. We miss you. Happy holidays. And look where you're at. Look at you, seeing that off from uh, right out to the centerfold yourself. Look at you. You're so funny. Oh, hey, I became more of a centerfold than I ever thought I was ever going to be. Yeah, I know. That's for sure, huh? I mean, I, I never did. I ever think? Did I ever think that I would actually be sitting down having Jack Daniels with half of my life? No. I no way. <laughs> no way. But it and, made me, uh, you know, yeah, it made me and, very you know, uptight, too. I mean, it was too much. I couldn't relax at a mansion party, and you would always be like, what's the Madison? Do you, why don't you relax? I know, but I know. And then, then, then I got it. You know, I get it. It's like, oh, yeah, well, it's because somebody has to be responsible, and it's her. I'm like, yeah, and, like, you know, who was the go-to girl if anything went wrong? Anything. That was like, that. It's exactly, that was supposed to that boxing match up there was funny that time when you were like, do you, I like, what happened to Cindy? I don't know. She's just running around crazy. No, what happened to Cindy? She's probably in the toilet drowning herself. <laughs> <laughs> or trying she's to. Trying to find the the Damn it, they disappeared. <laughs> no, Cindy doesn't go in the grotto. She sticks her head in the toilet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she comes out okay. Uh, well, anyway. you know, she cools herself down that way. And so, look, you know, it's not just regular shit in that toilet. It's celebrity shit, so it's okay. So it's fine. Right, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's fine. You know, you're rubbing your uh, rubbing nose with the uh, with the stars there. Yeah, well, you know, who else can really, you know, I mean, Bob Culp's shit. I mean, come on, that's uh, shit, yeah, isn't well, it? But that was funny. You know, they were they were um, they did I Spy on our lot too when we were doing the Dick Van Dyke show. We did a lot of stuff. It was a wild time. It was a great time. Well, you knew all of Hef's friends. Yeah. 
I mean, all of those people now hang out at the mansion because they had to keep their celebrity that way. Exactly. And you know what? That's a good point, too. You know, and Bob's a good guy. He really is. I, you know, Cosby taught me how to throw a football. Um, Cosby, do Cosby? You know, he remember that Cosby MCs the Playboy Jazz Festivals every year. Of course, don't pay him. You know, he does it because he wants to do it. Yeah. I mean, God knows if we got into his agents and the paying, that would be like a real pain in the neck. Oh, please, it would never happen. But he gets to play drums, and you know, he really always liked music. Yeah, he does, and and uh, I know was a great. He was such a good guy to me when I was a kid. Well, that's something to remember. He and remember, he became the Jello guy at the same time, right? Exactly. Wasn't he like the Jello guy when you were a child actor? Yep. <laughs> what was it. The, how did it go? The Jello. Uh, oh wait a minute. Oh man, it was uh, Jello. Wait, wait. Call back. You probably know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> call into the show. Yeah, we want exactly. Bill Cosby to call in and call help show, us with what the Jello Man <laughs> Jello Pops were, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, Jello Pops. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the oh, you know what, Larry? You're so far into your monolith right now. We have to get you out. I'm, I'm almost. I'm almost stuck. It's funny, <laughs> but, but you know, I, I got to finish this. So what we're talking about with the with the knife. So I shattered some glass, and so I thought, oh, how am I going to drink the wine? Because I didn't want to not drink the wine. So I grabbed the paper towel and started pouring through the paper towel to get the glass out of the wine. And that's how I got that started. Oh my god! Oh my god! So the glass is falling oh, all over the place. <laughs> Um, only with you, though. Well, yeah, why did, why did it rip when you tried it? <laughs> now, listen, I didn't even start with the wine until I met you and David, okay? Oh, cool. I mean, I'm serious. I didn't even start with the wine until I met you and David. So, I mean, then David's taking me to all these, like, wine things and all of that kind of stuff. I have no idea, but now I became a mini connoisseur. Well, you have that great decanter we gave you for your wedding. It's wonderful. Oh. And we don't even have to use a paper towel for that. No, that's the best. I love those. That's, that's cool. Yeah. But I always think about you because of the paper towel and the glass. <laughs> and, and, yes, thank you. <laughs> that will always be uh, a wonderful memory. And, of course, you know, as I walk around my house here on top of the monolith, it's like, Every wall is covered in some kind of wine something. No, it is. It's, you know, you are the wine guy, and people don't know that. But, you know, you're kind of covert about it, actually, but that probably makes it better. No, I think it's cool. You know, it's funny. You know, and I enjoy it. Like I said, last night we were out. I was out at the wine bar. Jennifer and I were out drinking with our buddies last night, having a good old time. So, um. well, wine, wine is good. Wine is definitely good. But you know what? We have to. I mean, I'm not cutting you off so suddenly right now because we have a minute and a half till close. But I'm very sad because the show went too fast. We could have gone for two, three hours today. Like that. Actually, it's funny favorite. because I'm sitting there this morning. I call. I said, "Wow, it's going to be a long time." And all of a sudden, here it is. And I'm like, "No, no, we want to keep talking. What's wrong? Come on." No, I'm telling you, it really goes. When I have good guests, it goes like so fast. When I have a bad guest, I like you know, I I just email everybody. <laughs> I'm on AOL. <laughs> so you know, I'm sorry, are you talking about? Know? What did you say again? <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, the the worst kinds of guests are the kinds of guests where you ask really great questions to and they don't talk. Like, why the hell did you come on a radio show then? Yeah, exactly. I'm you know? afraid to talk. Okay, bye. I mean, it's like, you know, you ask people questions. I mean, you know, you get somebody that's uh, a security expert on the show, and then it's like, well, I can't answer that. I'm like, well, what did you come on radio for? <laughs> well, you're no good, damn it. Get off my show. <laughs> you know, thank you for ruining my show, and, you know, <laughs> please don't ever do radio again. Do everybody exactly. a favor. Yeah. 
What's that feeling? Oh, I can't tell you. I'll have to kill you. Okay, fine. And, well, listen, you have to come back again, I'm sure, by popular demand. I'm we will. Sure. I will. This was a blast. I'm so glad we did this. It was a blast. No, it really was. It really, really was. And, um, you know, I'm glad that Larry did a PR job and got all the fraternity boys from UCLA to, <laughs> to listen in. <laughs> to listen in. David doesn't do that, so good for you. See, well, you know, you got to do your own PR. When you're a husband, you got to do your own PR. <laughs> yes, and welcome to the club. We're in the club together. I think that you and I should talk further about this. I think it's hilarious. All right, we should for sure. Okay, number well, one and number two, we definitely got to do the Phoenix coming on the show. And have a great day. Thanks. We're going to talk to you soon. Okay, bye. bye. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific time for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. We'll see you next week.